0: Hello, I'm Ashley and I'm Gary and welcome to episode 15 of the Choose Film podcast and we are still in our feel-good theme. I have been loving every film that we've picked. It has made me feel amazing uh, and today we are joined by the wonderful Jason Cavassi and he has chosen the film The Karate Kid Classic. So Jason, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Thank you for asking me. I was a little thrown by this theme because I'm used to covering things where people get eaten alive and stuff like that. (laughs) But uh, I love it because I was like thinking, oh yeah, there's actually a ton of movies that make me feel great. And I made a list for you guys and uh, The Karate Kid is the one that I know the best. That's been close to my heart for a long time. Um, So I'm Jason. I've been hosting the Walking Dead cast, a podcast about the Walking Dead for about 10 years now. And uh, I branched out into other podcasts about different TV shows and pop culture subjects and things like that. And I actually quit my day job about four or five years into it and just do podcasting full time now. And I love it so much. Um, I live in San Francisco.
0: I love it what an inspiration to us as well like so many podcasts and living the podcast life it's amazing
1: yeah I just love it so actually that's
2: I've uh, got a deadline four years and we can leave any other job then <laughs>
1: yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> the goal's <laughs> out there um so Jason what would you rate the Karate kids out of 10?
1: I mean this is a personal movie to me so I, it's not objective at all but I'd probably give it a
0: nine yeah Gary <laughs> yeah. what about you
2: um, for me I would say this is 8.5 out of 10 for me I loved this film as a kid uh, and reliving it this week was just so much fun and it still stands up like today for me anyway so I've not seen mm-hmm. it in about five six years so going back just sitting down watching I was like oh this is actually still as good as I remember
0: yeah
1: that's always nice because it's not always the case
0: definitely and this film I gave a 9 out of 10 as well loved it it was one that I only remember seeing little bits of it I think my dad used to watch it quite a lot and I would like go into living room and see catch little bits of it and then when I sat and watched it as a whole I was like oh my god I love this like why have I not seen this full film before um so yeah loved it
2: I also This is just a really quick story, but basically I used to do Kratty, but one of the other students, he also went to my school, and he was the only bully growing up that I ever had. And then I was basically told, like, oh, just just happen back just once. And I was always scared that, like, the teacher would catch me doing it and, like, chip me out of the club. (laughs) So, but eventually I did it, and then he stopped, like, bullying in Kratty, and in school so i can relate to this film as a kid so much
1: <laughs> you lived
2: it yes exactly <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah this film inspired so many kids in the u.s and probably worldwide to take karate me included for a while there yeah
0: yeah completely it's like that thing um that they're they're calling the sort of netflix effect now as well with the queen's gambit you know when uh, there's like a film or a series produced around a sport or a hobby like Mm -hmm. sales of you know chess sets or people taking Mm -hmm. up chess just like goes through the roof so I can completely understand why yeah this film would do exactly the same we
1: just podcasted about great british bake-off on one of my other podcasts and I always gain a few pounds while that show's on the air
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is like the ultimate feel-good tv show yeah
1: right yeah completely that's why we did it (laughs) So
0: good. Um, So for our listeners who might not have um, seen The Karate Kid or maybe want a little recap, here's a quick synopsis for you. So Daniel moves to Southern California with his mum Lucille and he quickly finds himself the target of a group of bullies that study karate at the Cobra Kai dojo. Fortunately though, Daniel befriends Mr Miyagi, Um, an unassuming repairman who just happens to be a martial arts master himself. Miyagi takes Daniel under his wing, training him in a more compassionate form of karate and preparing him to compete against the brutal Cobra Kai.
2: For Daniel LaRusso,
1: Is this the only pool you guys got?
2: the future seemed far from terrific.
1: This place is a dump. You should go back to New Jersey.
0: Hey, I know it's hard, but we're not quitters, are we?
1: Until... He met the hey, right yeah. girl. She's beautiful. I say she's beautiful. I think she's beautiful. You <laughs>
0: that your address? You got it.
1: But that it. only angered the wrong guy.
2: Oh,
0: you know i at 9:30. Definitely. I gotta be nuts.
1: Uh,
2: and his troubles really began.
1: You to push it. Well, now you
2: to Then, in one man. He found a teacher. I promise teach karate. And a friend. Fighting. Always last answer.
0: How did you do that?
2: Don't know. First time. Power. Whole body. Yeah. Make a perfect picture.
0: But how do I know if my picture is the right one?
2: If come from inside of you, always right one. Lesson about the balance, not just karate. Lesson for all life.
1: White drink. So I won't have to fight. <laughs> hey, karate kid! Let's do the move.
0: You know, points or no points.
2: You're dead meat.
0: I don't have much of a cheering section. You got me?
1: In the end, it will be in Daniel's hands.
2: In his body. <laughs>
1: Most of all, in his mind. Concentrate, focus, power. Remember balance, no mercy. Columbia Pictures presents The Karate Kid.
2: Hey, what kind of belt do you have? Canvas.
0: You like? J.C. <laughs> g 398. Let's get started. Let's go around with our first positive points. And Gary, I'm coming to you first. What's your first point of this film?
2: Okay, so this is kind of a list more than a point but you'll see my point in a second. <laughs> uh, I came up with this point maybe 30 seconds into the opening shots and uh, I quickly noticed a name came up on screen and it was the director of Rocky that directed this film as well, John J. Avildsen. and the Rocky franchise is probably my favourite franchise ever so I couldn't not watch this film and compare some of the Similarities in style and in, bo- and in story. So there's so much in this with storytelling techniques. They are both obviously underdog stories. Both films aren't really about the sport. There's another underlying thing in there. So with like Rocky, it's actually about his love interest. And in this, you've got, um, what's her name again? Elizabeth Shue's character? Ali. Ali, yeah. You've got the date with Ali, and that's what causing him to take up karate with Mr Miyagi. And both films use the same composer, Bill Conti, and you've got those training montages with, you know, the inspirational music. Same cinematography, both Italian-American leads. Both have the old wise mentor. And both characters also don't really want to win the match. They just kind of want to go the distance and prove to themselves and the audience and their family that, they are worth the cause that they are fighting for. There was another interesting thing. So um, the same director came back to do Rocky Five as well as the original Rocky. And Daniel's character in this film basically is getting bullied at school. There's a girl that he fancies. He takes up this sport to then basically stop the bullies bullying him. And then that is basically... Rocky's son's story in Rocky 5 that's like the subplot there is so many similarities between it and I wonder how much of that was the director's uh, influence and I also wonder would Cratic Kid be the same film without the director of Rocky you know by taking these other influences and and using them through this
1: Yeah I mean I think that lightning struck in a lot of different ways with this movie because of the director who I feel like gave it, there were, you know, you think of other eighties movies with young people like breakfast club or, um, Ferris Bueller's day off or, uh, well, stand by me is another one. And karate kid has this big heart And this kind of groundedness to it that I feel like actually stand by me has the other ones. I love all those movies, but they're a little more sassy or 16 candles, things like that. You know, the the one thing I love about Karate Kid is the groundedness of it. And I feel like the director probably brings that to it. And the Mm -hmm. score, like you mentioned, is I mean, I really feel like music can elevate a movie. And that is definitely the case here with the pan flutes and the string instruments and everything. It just takes you away. And the, the, I mean, I don't want to go through all the great points, but there's just so many things that landed right with this, the chemistry between the actors. And I think if any one of those hadn't been there, I actually think the script is good, but um, I think all these other elements elevated it. It could have been just another corny movie. And so, yes, I, I, I think if somebody else had directed this, there's no guarantee that it would have landed the way it did. We might have forgotten it by now.
2: Yeah, to me it's almost like a coming of age film but with elements of the Rocky Underdog story filtered through that as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely, and I also wonder, as you're talking about this, does John G. Avildsen be like do I have to direct another one like this? Well, you're good at it! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> or if he's drawn to it. I I would suspect he's drawn to it, but I don't really know.
0: Yeah, and Jason, I, to- I like how you um picked up on like the script. It could just be another sort of cheesy film and mm-hmm. do you know what there's parts when I was watching it being like this is so cheesy but everything just comes together and actually yeah. it's very real as well and endearing and honest and yeah there's so much and I think the whole team effort of it the music is incredible and in I'm not going to yes. go too much into that but um, definitely the direction has brought everything together in such a such a way that's really really working for it the
1: the screenwriter uh what's his name Robert Kamen yeah he also wrote Karate Kid 2 and 3 and in my opinion Karate Kid 2 is pretty good but it doesn't quite capture the magic pretty close and 3 is awful and (laughs) and he uh was asked to come back and do 3 and he said that he didn't really want to do it but he Suggested some insane uh, fee for it, thinking they would say no, and they said yes. And he said, "Okay, I'll do it." But um, if you want me, (laughs) yeah. And so, but uh, the the this movie was personal to him. He was bullied as a kid, and he took karate, and he had a teacher that was brutal or something, and he didn't, you know, jibe with that. So he went and found another teacher that was actually in the actual Miyagi line of karate. And it was more about the way that Mr. Miyagi in the film. So I think that helped uh, that he actually felt personally connected to the story to make, to make the script better than the the next two movies. But still, I think that the script is maybe the weakest part in all of these things that we've been mentioning. It's still good, I think, but, you know, the other things are what really elevate it.
2: There's also the restaurant scene with Daniel, with his, with his mum, and he's talking about how, um, how nice Ali is as, as a girl and she's blonde and stuff love that scene the mum has to go and uh, work and he's still sitting at the table and he's like yeah she's, she's really hot yeah mm-hmm. and he, he's really thinking about it and that also reminded me of a nice scene in Rocky where he's standing in front of the mirror looking at himself and then he starts almost acting out what he's going to say the next time he meets Adrian in the pet shop and it's wee moments like that in both films that makes you relate to the character and just love them yeah
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: it's that innocence and just sort of giddiness of the the young love as well um Mm -hmm. and i'm actually going to jump in with my first point because my first point is daniel's charm with ali he is just so endearing and i love how he's always playing it cool but it's never it's never dickish like he's he's always so charming and lovely towards her and you know when she when they first meet you know and he's sort of saving her radio and everything and then she introduces herself at school as Ali with an i and then he's of course Daniel with an l <laughs> and just the way you know the way he leans up on the lockers next to her and it's just Oh, it really, really like melts my heart watching them together. And then, as you said, in that scene, when he's getting all excited talking about Ali to his mum, whereas like a lot of the time in films where there's like a teenage sort of love story, they don't want to talk to the parents about it. Like, that's not a cool thing that you talk to your parents, but no, he's like quite happy. And it's just such a genuine love that you see. And this charm is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even the way he like runs up to meet Ali at school and you know after um, I think it's after Mr Miyagi has sorted out the Cobra Kai guys and the deal is done you know they're going to do the tournament um, and Daniel's talking about oh he doesn't want to moan and groan and stuff but Ali says well I'd listen to you and then he's like oh well do you want to listen on Saturday night? And it's just like, it's so corny, but I love it. Honestly, I could not get enough of his charm. So yeah, that's my my first point. Daniel's charm is just, plays such a huge part in this story.
1: Yeah, that's pretty close to my first point too, because people focus on the chemistry between Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. And I think that is off the charts amazing in this movie, but it it's good to realize that Daniel by himself is pretty great. And as a kid myself, I moved around a lot and my mom and I had to push start our car sometimes. And, (laughs) and so um, I really identified with him. um, But I think Ralph Macchio just, he's so good in this role. I mean, it's, it's hard not to sympathize with him because he's pulled out of everything he knows and dropped into a whole new life reluctantly, but he handles it with, he, he really adapts. I mean, it's tough. He, He has to go through some tough stuff, but, especially like you're saying in the way that he interacts with Allie, even in that first scene, when he first meets her in the party on the beach, they're kicking the ball around and he sees her and he's just standing there while all the other kids run off and he, they're looking at each other with this eye contact. Uh, a friend of mine was like, that's a little creepy. Like she's on the side of, of uh, Johnny and all of this. And I'm like, no way. But to me, it shows he, you're right. He's not dickish at all, but he's confident and he's really open. And that kind of direct eye contact, but without being threatening is like, uh, it shows that he's comfortable with himself. You know, and you really feel that from this character through the whole thing. He's going through some tough times, but he's got a strong core. He's really comfortable with himself. And to me, that's really attractive. And it's funny because I'm in my 40s now, but um, I still feel like I'm relating to him. When I first saw this, I was 12 or 13, and he was kind of a hero. And I still kind of feel that way about him, even though it's a 16 year old kid on the screen. <laughs> <He> <laughs> but yeah, still. I love his character.
0: Definitely. Allison- Sorry, Gary, go on.
2: No, I was just gonna say I also think that also comes down to the casting, like yeah. with Ralph, because he knew how to play that character and how to play it with confidence but um not over arrogant. And I yes. also think it comes down to the casting directors because if they casted someone that was like almost this tall hunk, we wouldn't relate to that as much, but because he is quite small and scrawny <laughs> like the average person would go, yep, I was that kid at school and I wish I had that confidence, you know?
1: Right. And originally in the script, he was Daniel Weber and uh, they, you know, uh, Ralph Macchio read for the role, so they changed it to LaRusso.
0: He's just perfect. And I love as well that, you know, when his mum is picking up Ali and they have to push start the car and then his mum comes and picks him up at the day and the Cobra Kai gang are there, he never, ever once, you know, gets angry that his mum's there. You know, you'd kind of expect like, oh, this go away mum and all this and all that. But he's never like that. You know, he just is so like happy and confident in with himself that he just, he just goes with it. And I love that, that they didn't put in that sort of disrespect for the mum because mm-hmm. they didn't need it. But it's kind of something that you expect in that situation
1: there is this subtext about class and about how Johnny and Allie are from the rich part of town and he's got his old beat up card that they have to push start. And he's from Reseda. And, um, I think the one time where that was really prevalent in the movie is when they went out on their date. And then, uh, when they came out, uh, Johnny and all his friends drive up and say, you want to come up with us? And no, no, no. And then <laughs> Mrs. Larusso drives up and uh, Danny or mommy can Daniel come for a ride? And then there's some tension there because he's he's embarrassed. But um, it, later when Miyaki gives him the car, which is an amazing scene, and then he drives to the back to the golf and stuff, and he he's him and Allie are kind of fighting he's talking about well i know you don't like me because of the car or whatever i think the script's intention was for this car to be a big deal to him because he thought it would elevate help elevate himself to their class but i really feel like the movie didn't want to go that way if that makes any sense that that for for Daniel, the way he plays the character, I don't think it's really about that. It didn't feel true to Daniel's character to really care that much about cars and stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just <laughs> he's just like truly grateful and surprised. And then as well, he lets Ali drive the car. So yeah, if he was like he's... so precious, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> then I'm sure he'd be protecting it. But no. Oh yeah. Love I him. think he,
2: he does deal with a lot as so he's dealing with being the new boy in town. there is there's dealing with the bullies there's also dealing with that class element and also it is just him and his mum like a single mum as well so there is so much that he goes through in such a short space of time but i think these some of these elements as you said jason they're just hinted at rather than like taking a deep dive into and for me that's enough you know to like show that there is issues there but we don't need to address them all and have them all resolved by the Mm -hmm. end of the film
1: have you seen cobra kai
2: Um, So I've watched the first, so I actually went to watch the first episode just in case it came up in conversation and I've watched the first seven episodes already.
1: (laughs) It's so good. You have to watch it, Ashley. I need to watch it. (laughs) And it's all, they do go more into this class because Cobra Kai is all about flipping the script role, uh, just different context and role reversals and remixing all of this stuff so that Johnny and Daniel are more on an even keel uh I I don't want to give too much away but it's worth it I when I first heard that this they were making this show because I'm such a big Karate Kid fan I was like oh cool but I'm sure it's going to be awful and then it was amazing and I loved it so I definitely recommend anyone who's at all into Karate Kid even if you're not I know uh, my friend who I told you was on Johnny's side she wasn't really that big of a fan of Karate Kid but she loves Cobra Kai too (laughs)
0: Oh, I need to get yeah. on it. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's uh, so good.
2: And what else I actually like about Cobra Kai is just Johnny's character and how some of the stuff that he says isn't like politically correct. Like he's yeah. still kind of living in this eighties life, and it's about he's him stuck. learning to adapt. Yeah,
1: it's so much fun. It, it kind of gives you permission to just like, oh well, whatever. It's so much fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, so, Jason, what was your first point on Peraticid?
1: It's the same thing, just Daniel as a character. I, the yeah. things I was just saying, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, he is He is absolutely phenomenal and just carries the story. He's so young as well. I think he was only 21 or 20 when he actually played the role. Um, but he's he looks got so much younger, presence. though. I know.
1: Well, he's 16. He has his 16th birthday in the movie and he gets his driver's license. But I think he was 22 when he played the role so he's yes yeah, six years older than the character he was playing but he's got a baby face oh yeah Definitely.
2: And he, st- he, he still does now and Cobra Kai as well he's still got that baby <laughs> face I yeah. know I
1: think he's gonna be 60 soon
0: oh, Amazing. he's older
1: than Mr. Miyagi was in this movie really yeah yeah that's scary that, that's yeah. scary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Gary what was your second point
2: yeah, so I would actually like to talk just about Mr Miyagi, but it's one it's one or two scenes in particular, and in this one scene, we learn so much about the character, and it's in the space of, like, five minutes. It's when Mr Miyagi gets drunk, and Daniel appears randomly at his house, and during this scene, we find out that Mr Miyagi joined the US Army, he received a Medal of Honour, also Mrs Miyagi and their newborn son died at childbirth due to complications, and it's a loss that's obviously still haunting Mr Miyagi through it, but the reason I love this scene so much is because they're not spoon-feeding us the information, it is done through a drunken man and just the props that he's got lying about his house that Daniel finds, like newspapers and medals. and. It's also here that we realise that Mr Miyagi's got this hole in his life, like he's missing a son. What I really like about it is, I actually love the way it's played, like how he plays a drunk man with just the laughter and the chuckles that he does through it, but in the next scene, it's Daniel's birthday, and Daniel's went back over to Mr Miyagi's house, and they're almost like this family, and it is the son that Mr Miyagi's missing, and he gives Daniel the gift that's made by Mrs Miyagi, and... It's through these two scenes that Daniel realizes what life is all about, and that's where he learns about respect and care and discipline. And balance. And, and balance, yes, mm-hmm. and balance. And to me, what the film is about is told through these two scenes and not the actual final fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually think it's interesting because when you think about Karate Kid, a lot of what you remember is that last kick to the face. And it was so satisfying. And yet the whole movie is about Mr. Miyagi saying you, you train, so you don't need to fight. And, you know, it's all about balance. And, and it really is. um, It's not about vengeance. You know, when Daniel says he wants to train because of vengeance, Miyagi says no. And I feel like that, that last moment really caters to our lust for vengeance (laughs) you know it really does and it kind of goes against what the theme of the film is supposed to be and that's probably what uh, if this was an independent arty film maybe that wouldn't have happened but it was a popular culture film and so and I love that moment too but I have to try to remember to be cognizant that that really doesn't go with the spirit of what Miyagi was teaching Daniel I don't think anyway
2: yeah and there's something else that I kind of agree with on that point, and it's that scene with him finding out Mr Miyagi's backstory, then the next time they meet, it's Daniel's birthday, and between those two scenes, we learn about family, and as you said, Jason balance, and then he remembers that his mum's baking him a cake, and he's totally forgot about it, and he goes to rush off, but instead of rushing off, he goes to meet Ali, and doesn't even go to his mum's house, and it's like, you've just learned about what's important as family, and then you are
1: well. Yeah, but Miyagi's saying, Bal- "Remember when I told you about balance? Well, that's for your whole life." And then I think he even holds up the picture of Allie. He so, does, yeah. he's suggesting, "Forget about your mom. <laughs> 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 Go get the girl, man." Get but I yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, it's like, "What what happened? Did you leave a scene out there?" <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But uh yeah, I mean, that's I love that you said, I never really thought about it that way. I mean, I always thought about that scene with Miyagi as it's just a way to deepen his character in the movie, and it was sort of a side thing, you know, not essential to the plot, but framing it as actually what the movie's all about family. And it's true, like Daniel's missing a father, too. So Miyagi's missing a son, Daniel's missing a father figure. Yeah. So they connect and, because and of it's, that.
2: It's how they get that information across, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, where it is through props and a drunken man slur and some words. Saying <laughs> you kind of need to work out the puzzle with that. I know, Jason. That's one of the issues that you spoke about in like something like *Fear the Walking Dead*, where we're actually spoon-fed information. Oh, so is yeah. it we know yeah. stuff? Whereas with this film from the eighties, it just knew what it was doing and how to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I found that scene like quite heartbreaking, really, because Mister Miyagi gives so selfless, selflessly. I know he's, you know, making Daniel do the chores, but that is. That is the teachings, you know, that's all the defensive moves. And he takes Daniel under his wing with no question at all. But actually, he's gone through so much trauma in his life. And when he does uh, become really drunk and stuff, I just thought, oh my God, like, you're holding all this inside you. And it really gave it gave a lot of depth to that character. And I felt like I connected a lot more with him after that because I just... I understood what he was going through. And mm-hmm. you know, like the wisdom of Miyagi his the karate sort of in his mind, how that is helping him as well. The spiritual um essence of the karate as well must be sort of balancing his whole life when he's had to yeah. deal with so much God, trauma. You
1: guys, I've seen this movie, I bet you 40 times. And <laughs> right now you're making me appreciate it even more than I ever have. So that's really cool. Cool, it's, thank you. <laughs>
0: honestly, after every episode, I'm like, I need to watch this film again. Like I have missed. <laughs> yeah. I've like there's parts that I'm like, oh my god, I didn't pick up on that. Now I need to go and like focus on that or forget about this thing that I thought. Um, especially when we did Ladybird. Um, and Gary, yeah, you brought I love up that movie. Oh, so good, so good. Well, Gary brought up the point like actually, this is the mother's story, and I was like,
1: what?
2: <laughs>
0: now I'm watching it again. So yeah, it's, it's so nice to see. There's the another,
2: um, another scene as well that's, if you go back and look at it, it's really well done, and it's when Daniel kind of loses the plot and he's like, I'm not doing any of these chores anymore. All you'll get me to do is wax it's your so cars good. and sand it. And then Mr Miyagi's like, daniel son and then goes through the motions of what he's learned. And I think this scene lasts a good five, six minutes and Daniel doesn't say anything at all. He's just doing what he's told. But if you look at Um, Ralph's facial expressions through it he's saying so much with his eyes and how surprised it is that all this is working
1: he's floored yeah
2: yeah. and it's a good six minutes of just movements there's no conversation there and it's just a perfectly framed scene you know so much information is passed
1: and I was watching you know I watched this movie again just to prepare for the podcast and it, it it really stood out how much flow there is with that scene where Daniel is kind of half acidly going through the motions and and Miyagi's no 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 lock your wrist and then he does it and then he does okay now to do wax on wax off now wax on wax off and it's almost like a comedy routine the way the flow goes between them and then and then he starts punching at him and he's blocking oh my god and then he they do the whole kicking and everything and it's like wow this big moment and then when he goes Daniel goes to bow and he looks at the ground and Biagi pops him on the head. Look at the eye. So it's almost like a punchline, you know, but it's just an amazing, it's an amazing scene. It it, it flows so well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and But the thing about it is, if you think too hard, it's like, eh, Daniel should have probably realized that what he was doing was practicing <laughs> these motions. So you kind of have to suspend your disbelief and give it dramatic license.
2: <laughs> yeah. And no, you're absolutely right. And I was wondering that when you find out at the start that, Daniel knows a wee bit of karate, and I was wondering why they'd um given us that information because he wouldn't have maybe realized what was happening if he hadn't already had some training in karate you know, but then maybe they told us that he's had some training so is that when he does win at the end it's not like this is the first time he's done any of it you know it's, yeah I guess it's about balance I why, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: and yeah. I think as well um you know he's. He sees the Cobra Kai gang and their sort of vicious uh, attack, attack, attack karate. Um, And maybe that's kind of what he thought karate always was. But now he's learning about the whole balance and the spiritual aspect and how much your mind is involved in it and actually that's just completely gone over his head like he didn't think that was what karate was at all not at all yeah uh just it's that realization as well when uh, like you said Gary in that scene when he's doing all the moves and Miyagi's taking him through it it's it's that realization of like oh my god oh my god i can actually do this i, I thought i've just been like waxing his car and sanding his floors but actually i've got skills and knowledge now that I can use, um, and it's that building even more confidence in himself. Um, yeah, beautiful scene. So um, I'm going to jumble my points around a little bit because my third point uh, is actually about Miyagi's wisdom, and I think it fits in quite nicely, um, especially when he says like you don't you don't train to fight, you train so that you don't have to fight. Like that's just a completely new idea for Daniel, and it's it's really. It's the beautiful realisations like we've said and um, Miyagi's saying that karate is in your mind uh, and it's in your heart and it's never in your hips or in your stomach. It's not that aggression. It's the connection Um, and I just really, really I love that and he's saying you know, trust the quality, not the quantity when Daniel's worried that he's not, he doesn't know all these different moves and stuff uh, or enough karate Um, but Miyagi just always brings this knowing and this sense of like as cheesy as it is like believing yourself you've got this it's all in your mind it's all in your heart it doesn't matter about what they know focus on you and he makes I think he makes Daniel look very internally as opposed to what's going on outside um so yeah that was my second point just his wisdom mm-hmm. um and the strength that he gives Daniel sort of unknowingly to Daniel
1: he's also pointing at the belt like it's not about what color your belt is and later when Daniel gets his license he says that never replaces your eye so it's like not about these outside uh sort of uh what do you call validations or anything it's about yeah what's coming from inside you yeah yeah it's
2: going back to basics almost as well like even when it gets to the tournament and they're going into the they're going into the main hall and Daniel's asking like what are they doing here what does this mean and it And he's like I don't know and he's like what about this and he's like I don't know and he's like well, what, do you know anything he's like don't get hit and that's all it comes down to you know as these basics like doesn't matter what's going on around you if you see a punch coming or a kick coming don't get hit and you'll be fine
0: yeah yeah it is it is taking it back to basics and it's just that that sort of laser focus on on himself which is
1: yeah good, but it-
0: yeah it's internal
1: it's it's all yeah it's also about like we have these traditions that we can blindly go through or these rules that everyone follows and it's I just love the idea that sometimes it's good to forget about all that and just think about what's real what's in front of you what's inside you you know then you're um, living from a truth rather than just this rote set of whatever somebody else says is the right way to do things and that's Miyagi doesn't care about any of that stuff yeah
0: completely all about intuition um mm-hmm. so Jason what is your next point?
1: Um well I'll go into yeah about like there's this whole theme of there's no such thing as a bad student but only a bad teacher which is also big in Cobra Kai by the way <laughs> but um all this wisdom that Miyagi imparts is is part of being a good teacher and then there's a contrast with uh Kreese who's strike first strike hard no mercy you know and mercy's for the weak and if someone's you Knock him down and they're they're laying on the floor, finish him off and fight dirty in the tournament and all this stuff. And, um, and so because of that, you sort of slow down a little bit. You might feel more sympathy for Johnny um, because it's about it's not his fault. He's got this horrible teacher. And if you watch the first scene of Karate Kid 2, then you really feel sympathy for him. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? i've yeah, not seen yeah. the second one <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess i shouldn't spoil it but i'll it's just okay, say Jason, that if
2: you want to because it's the start so it's the first yourself. scene
1: yeah. it's the parking lot after the tournament miyagi and um daniel are walking to their car and you see crease and all his students and he's pissed and he's beating them all up he's beating up his students because they failed and he grabs johnny in a chokehold and so miyagi goes over and and uh it's it's a great scene. I, I I could even spoil more, but you should even if you just watch like the first ten minutes, you can you can get that. But then you really feel more sympathy for Johnny in that scene, and so um, I don't know. I guess I just like that. That's a, a big theme in the in the movie that it's important. Role models are important. Father figures, teachers, things like that.
2: Well, also I read somewhere that that um, scene was supposed to be the last scene in Kratticat, but mm-hmm. they wanted to in a more positive note, so that they they, they they good cut move.
1: It. Yeah, I mean, you see Miyagi's pride as the last scene. You know, we did it, Mister Miyagi, and he's just nodding his head. I think that yeah. was the perfect place mm-hmm. to end it. Yeah,
2: but you do you do feel for Johnny as well when he's getting told to sweep the leg, and mm-hmm. we do need to give credit to that actor as well because William Yeah, it's all in his eyes when he's told to sweep the leg and do damage. There's just this fear and uncertainty in his eyes for maybe five seconds before he goes back onto the the map and you know he's almost afraid to do it because he doesn't want to cause Daniel any more pain than just winning the fight.
1: Then again back on Halloween dance night he was ready to kill him. Yeah <laughs> so, <true. laughs> But no. You, Very true.
0: Right. And I think as well when we see Johnny giving Daniel the trophy at the end <laughs> It is that sort of bit of respect, and you know, uh, like you said, the bad teacher. It that's not that's not really in Johnny's heart. Maybe this is just this. This is all he's known. He's only known mm-hmm. this, and now he's seeing Daniel being respectful. You know, getting up when he's literally being beaten to the ground, and not fighting so aggressively and viciously, and breaking the rules. And I think there's a little bit of respect there that i'm sure he would not want crease to 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 know of
1: (laughs) yeah and you know i noticed too watching it last night that at one point miyagi says uh it doesn't matter if you win or lose just make good fight and then you'll gain respect and so that made me feel a little less critical of that kick at the end because miyagi is sort of saying well if you make a really good fight this one time then you won't have to fight anymore you know because you'll get respect i i don't know how much i believe in that but um but that's what happens i think that's exactly why johnny said you're all right Larusso." yeah
2: <laughs> um basically danny won't have to fight until they realize the film made so much money and they would have to do a sequel <laughs>
1: <and then laughs> well they shipped him off to okinawa where nobody knows him so yeah <laughs> he has to earn his respect all over again <laughs>
0: Completely. Um, So, Gary, on to your last point of the film.
1: Yeah, so I just
2: wanted to talk a wee bit about how it's over 30 years old now and the film still holds up so well. Like, everything about it, the fight scenes haven't cheapened. Like, the punches, I would say, still looks real. One punch in particular, that's or slap, in particular, it still looks real, was when Ali slaps Johnny and the, the party... Like I kind of jumped back, like I wasn't expecting it, I forgot all about it, but when she throws that, that hook or that slap, I was like, whoa. <laughs> Even just the master-student relationship, it's still charming, it's still lovely to watch. And as I said earlier, Daniel is small and skinny and what I love is, I feel like if this film was made now, they would have this almost scrawny-looking kid at the start, and then by, like, the end of the film, he would have done his training montage and he would have, like, a 12-pack body, like, Belgian biceps, but he still <laughs> looks relatively normal by the end, so we can still relate to that character. You know, we don't need to change our whole physique to win it, like, a match, win it sport, or just win it life. We can still look the same and be the same person. It's just about what you learn on that journey. And Elizabeth Shue's character... Yeah, she's just playing this love blonde interest in the film, and I guess that maybe hasn't aged well, but she still holds her own in it. It's like you know, she's more than that. She um, stands up to her ex boyfriend Johnny, and she tells Daniel where to go when he's being a bit of a douche. And I think that's one of the reasons as well that they're able to bring in this new Cobra Kai TV show. You know, because everything in the original still stands up, but they can mm-hmm. they can move with the times and keep telling this story.
1: I totally agree, yeah, with everything you just said and and the, it's clearly obvious that the makers of the Cobra Kai Show have a reverence for karate Kid because almost every moment in the movie has some kind of a uh they refer to it in some way or another in karate Kid and I mean in Cobra Kai, and the movie stands up to that, you know it's a foundation for all of it,
0: yeah, yeah. absolutely can still completely connect to it and Nothing felt dated or, like, it didn't really move with the times. It just, it was a beautiful, a beautiful story. It was funny. It was heartbreaking at times. And it was just, it was the epitome of feel good. Absolutely. Absolutely. To me, it
1: feels dated in a nostalgic way that I love, like arcades, you know, you don't really go to arcades anymore or, nope, you know, not everyone has cell phones, so it's kind of nice that they have to talk to each other, stuff like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and she writes down her address for him when uh, they're gonna go on the date and stuff and my last point on the film um is the music it's quite a small point but it's the music that comes in with the cobra kai gang on those motorbikes oh Oh, my god it was like it, it was cheesy but it was badass and it was it was just everything it needed to be and um Oh my god, I've just forgotten his name. Johnny has his like red leather jacket on, and you just see them all scooting over the dunes. And then again, um, when they're kind of go- going to attack Daniel, um, we have the first time we hear the ride, and then the second time we hear bumpy ride. Um, it's just it's just so, so cheesy. But it got me into the film. Like, I was <laughs> like, yes, I'm ready for this, give me more of that i need it and my only criticism is that we didn't have a few more of them because i thought they were great they were so good
1: i mean i love you know we've talked about the score but that song uh, the ride Mm -hmm. and then when they're chasing him the cobra kai and all their skeleton costumes across the field uh they play no shelter no shelter Mm -hmm. that's awesome and then um Bananarama, uh it's a cruel summer when he's out playing soccer and he they get into a fight you know and then he this school sucks and he takes off and it's a cruel cruel summer like all those yeah. songs just fit so and then of course there's you're the best around in the tournament oh, that's so just the best right mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was going to be a rocky song that was supposed to be in rocky 3 i think but they got eye of the tiger instead
2: I actually have listened to that song, You're the Best, about maybe five, six times since watching the film last week. <laughs> just just it's keep going really back good. to it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So good. To feel good, like, yeah. Yeah,
0: completely. Really good song. And Jason, what's your final point on the film?
1: I think I might have covered all my points. I mean, one of mine was this whole lightning in a bottle thing, and I just think it bears repeating again that just the chemistry between um, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi is is – so good. The way that these two actors relate to each other. I love the way that Mr. Miyagi gives uh, Daniel a hard time sometimes, like uh, when he shakes him off the boat and he falls <laughs> in the water and he goes, ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're all wet behind the ears. Or when he uh, gives him a drink, I think on his is it on his birthday or is it the night when he's drinking a lot and he gives yeah. and dad's yeah. like, <laughs> and <Myunga's> like <laughs> but it, you feel like it's, lo- it's from a place of love. It's like that father thing, knowing that this kid is, um, is having these experiences that are going to make him stronger. You know, it's never like, um, it's like he's uh, poking at him. It's more just like he, he probably remembers himself when he was this young, naive guy. But it's not only that. I mean, I mentioned the scene where he gives him the car and Daniel's just so taken aback and and looks at Mr. Miyagi and says, you're the best friend I ever had. And he goes, you pretty okay too. And just the chemistry between these two guys is amazing. Incredible.
2: I think what adds to that as well is that Mr. Miyagi's English is sort of broken because yeah. if that was like, you know, just a normal everyday American man who knew karate, I feel like because the two of them are struggling to communicate through this broken English, they have to try that wee bit harder with each other, which then makes their relationship that wee bit more stronger. I was in Mm. Bulgaria maybe five, six years ago, and none of the barmen could speak any English, really. But when I was going up to order a beer or order a, a drink, I would ask them, I would attempt to ask them how their day's been, have they been busy, and just general chit-chat. And then every night I went up to that bar, they would make sure I was okay in return to the point where I got, like, extra bottles delivered to my room. I had, like, a hmm. morning espresso waiting at by the pool for me in the morning, and it was only because I made the effort to try and communicate through this broken English. And I feel that that's what makes their relationship strong as well, is there is that, it's not quite... A boundary, but that's something they need to get past as well to then mm. communicate. And I think it works perfectly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Pat Morita, the actor, Mr. Miyagi, he didn't have that. That was all yeah. put on, you know, and uh, he, I remember him from the show, Happy Days. I don't know if you guys know of it. It's yeah, Ron yeah. Howard. He was Richie Cunningham. That's um, well, he was actually Opie in um, uh, Andy Griffith's show as a kid. Then he played Richie Cunningham in, in happy days and pat marita played arnold who was the owner of this like restaurant that they would all go to and he'd come out and be really goofy <laughs> and and he he was it was a cheesy sitcom and so you know hearing that he was gonna be in this movie as mr miyagi is like what and even the studio they didn't want to hire him they wanted to hire this like revered japanese actor who had been in like uh kurosawa movies or something and the writer really liked pat marita so fought to have him and he came in read, and they're like oh yeah he's the one so it's pretty cool that they gave him a shot and if anybody else had been in that role no way no absolutely
0: (laughs) yeah i think it just emphasizes that their true connection it doesn't always have to be vocal you know that connection Mm -hmm. can come from so much more um yeah oh. yeah
1: that's a good point because so much of our communication is actually non-verbal so when the verbal's harder than maybe y- you actually pay more attention to the non-verbal i don't know
0: yeah definitely
2: no you're definitely. absolutely right and like i was in rehearsals last night and we were actually discussing that that if you can say something with a look rather than a line of dialogue drop the line of dialogue because yeah. people your audience will always remember a look more than a line like,
1: mm-hmm. that's what are you guys watching the mandalorian
2: yes yeah no.
1: <laughs> one, one thing i love about that show is it's pretty sparse on the dialogue it's yeah. more of a show about moments and and when a moment lands you feel it you know and i feel like sometimes screenwriters or movie makers they try to make up for that lack of that with dialogue like you were mentioning fear the walking dead does that so much where they explicate everything and i'm like show yeah. us don't tell us
2: yeah absolutely and. Well, again, just to speak about The Mandalorian really quickly, is everybody remembers Baby Yoda because it's cute, big, Belgian eyes. Hasn't followed a line of dialogue, you know? But that's what they remember is the visuals. So if you can do stuff visually, again, that's why it works so well with this almost broken English, because then they need to mm-hmm. talk to each other in other ways. And we spoke mm-hmm. about that scene where Daniel has realised that he actually now knows Kratty and didn't know that he knew Kratty. It's all in his facial expression It says that. He doesn't go, oh my, I know Cratty now. He doesn't have to say anything. It's all in his facial expression.
0: I would have loved if he had said that, Gary. Right.
1: Oh, now I understand. You were having me wax the car so I would learn how to block. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, has anyone got any uh, little nitpicks of, from the film? I certainly don't. I no. mean,
1: there's little things. The biggest one I, I already mentioned about the last kick doesn't maybe quite go with the whole theme of of karate of Miyagi's wisdom. Um, also, that kick is totally made up for dramatic effect and would totally be able to be blocked, no problem. And yeah. it's
2: also it's it's also an illegal kick, isn't it? As well, so like it would have actually have been disqualified if it was real life. There's
1: debate about that. In you know when Ali's saying the rules, she says you can hit the face, and you do see kicks land in the face in other parts of the whole tournament sequence but I think excessive force is not allowed and that was pretty much as excessive as you can get so I (laughs) think you're
2: right (laughs) yeah and also I guess just on that note then there's all these debates it's actually Daniel, that is the villain in it. Now I don't agree, but I feel like we no. should we should bring it up though <laughs> because people will say it that he tries to steal Johnny's girlfriend. He attacks Johnny at the school disco, and there's a few other things in there as well that I can't. Yeah. Remember, no,
0: but... no, he doesn't steal Johnny's girlfriend because they're no. not together. I they're know, not I know. together.
1: It's not me. Wrote the articles. Say. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, w- because I'm covering Cobra Kai, and one of my co-hosts is on is saying those kinds of things Uh, you know i went back specifically to the scene where um they first meet uh daniel and Allie. and then johnny comes down and she sees oh god i better get daniel out of here so she kicks the ball and he goes away and then johnny and Allie are arguing and he keeps trying to take her radio so she'll talk to him and she doesn't want to talk to him so that's like you're invading her space right now she doesn't want to talk to you Then he uh, throws the radio on the ground and maybe breaks it. And all Daniel does is pick it up and hand it back to her. And I think Johnny hits him there. So he didn't do anything but pick this radio up. And I mean, some people say you should have stayed out of it, but I think that wasn't too egregious of like getting in other people's business. I mean, he's trying to help this girl that he just met that he likes. So, I don't know. He Then the one scene where maybe you could say Daniel kind of messed up is when he uh, put that hose over Johnny's thing in the stall, yeah, and, yeah. you know, so he probably shouldn't have done that.
2: But then <laughs> I think as well, though, that you need to, if you can um, beat the bully, you kind of almost have to show that you can hold your own so to speak in other ways and i guess that was him going right okay if i don't do something you're going to bully me for the rest of my days so i need to show that i can actually try and stand up to you slightly
1: yeah but there are probably a better ways to do that Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was exciting drama. I loved it. But yeah. I, I think oh. if you can criticize anything that he did, maybe that would be it. Yeah. yeah. A
0: little bit of a wrong decision. But mm-hmm. the right decision was allowing Mr. Miyagi to make his Halloween costume because that was amazing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, other notes I've got is Robert Downey Jr., uh, Nick Cage, Charlie Sheen, and Tom Cruise were supposedly all considered for the role of Daniel. Wow. Couldn't really picture any of them in that role, and I'm kind of glad none of them were in that role. No way. No. Will Smith, this is kind of on the TV show, but Will Smith is a producer of Cobra Kai, and I find that really interesting that his son was in the remake of Kid, And then he's went on to... Just yeah. Cobra
0: Kai. Love it. Um, so has anyone's rating out of 10 changed after we've discussed it? We're still sticking with the same same ratings. I'm going to stick personally with my 9 out of 10. Loved it.
1: I'll bump mine up to a 9.5. You 9. guys help me appreciate it that much more.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go to a 9 because as I said, like it still stands up so much today and not a lot of films from the 80s you can see that with you know so yeah i yeah.
1: want to watch breakfast club again just to see because i love that so much but i haven't seen it in so long
2: yeah we we spoke about that briefly on our first episode so before we got started reviewing single films we came each with five uplifting films to watch during lockdown and breakfast club was in there for me mm, cool yeah i gotta watch that again
0: so good. Um, so, we'll take a little break and we will be back with our quickfire quiz round fun facts of the day and our short films.
1: You remember a
2: lesson about uh, balance,
0: Yeah.
2: A lesson not just uh, karate only. lesson for whole life. Whole life have a balance. Everything be better understand
0: yeah I understand oh wow you're the best friend I ever had
2: are you pretty okay to go go find the balance
0: <laughs> okay. alright
1: Daniel hey bonzai. 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 Bonzai.
0: <laughs> So we are going to hit you with our quick fire quiz round Jason oh boy so Gary and I will ask you five questions each and um, I'm gonna start us off and here we go So where are Daniel and his mum from originally
1: Jersey?
2: What colour of car does Daniel take when offered one for his birthday?
1: Kind of a light yellow. Yes. Which Ralph Mancio still has, by the way. Love it.
0: Love (laughs) that. Um, So Daniel gets the car for his birthday, but he also gets something else. What else does he get?
1: He gets the gi with Viagi's patch sewn on it.
2: What tournament does Mr. Miyagi surprise Daniel with by entering him into it?
1: (laughs) The the All-Valley Karate Tournament.
0: Yes. Yes. Who hands Daniel the trophy after winning the fight? Johnny? Yep.
2: Who wrote the Karate Kid?
1: Robert Kamen.
0: What does Mr. Miyagi use to try and catch the fly?
1: Chopsticks.
2: Okay, can you spell Miyagi?
1: M-I-Y-A-G-I. Yes.
0: (laughs) And what does Daniel use to hide his black eye?
1: Sunglasses.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: And Daniel seeks out Mr. Miyagi because of what issue with the apartment?
1: Uh, The broken faucet. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. 10 out, that, 10 Is out that of 10. 10 out of I feel yes, like I just yes.
1: kicked Johnny right in the face. So that I <laughs> yeah. like, totally killed it.
2: You are only the second person to get 10 out of 10.
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> so well done, Jason. I've watched this movie way too many times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Big fan. I love it. Um, so to start rounding off the show, we're all going to share a fun fact of the day. Gary, what's your fun fact of the day?
2: Jim Sullivan, a rock and roll singer, mysteriously disappeared six years after recording an album called UFO Um, I'm not not going to say too much more on it because there is so many news articles and YouTube videos on it but yeah disappeared without a trace uh, six years after recording that album well it's clear
1: what happened then
2: yeah I just (laughs) we should just put the X-files theme tune under that
0: (laughs) Uh, and my fun fact of the day it's not actually a very fun fact but it's a fact Um, (laughs) it's a bit of a morbid fact two to three teaspoons of raw nutmeg can cause hallucinations convulsions pain nausea and paranoia and has even been fatal it's rare but it can be fatally poisonous who knew
1: oh man
0: so watch your nutmeg consumption listeners yeah Is there
2: not something about uh, bananas as well? If you eat too many bananas that you actually then start to get like radiation effects because there's like something that's in bananas as well.
0: Potassium.
2: Yeah.
1: How many bananas would you have to eat? Oh, I don't know. Probably something like that (laughs) in a day.
0: (laughs) It's crazy. And Jason, what's your fun fact?
1: My fact is I learned that the way that element, you know, an element is basically the smallest particle you can have of a thing that where it's still that thing and um, elements are created in stars. So when there's a supernova, that kind of rips the elements apart and reformulates them. And that's how you get more complex elements and that all of the elements in our body came from that process. So basically we're all made of stardust. When you hear that, it's actually true. That That's probably the best fact Love. to round off the show there. <laughs> yes, yeah. what
0: a beautiful fact. We're all yeah. stars. Um, and so now we're all going to share with you a short film that we're loving and we've watched recently um, that you can also go and watch as well. So Gary, what's your short film you'd like to share?
2: Yeah, so this one I've seen about, a year ago, it's called The Present by Jacob Frey. It's a short film animation, and it's basically about a boy. It's given a small dog as a gift, and first of all, he seems really disinterested in it. I won't say too much more than that. It's a lovely wee story. It's actually got a real feel good ending, but I'm pretty sure the creator of it, because that the short film was so good, the creator of it got a job at Pixar. So. Oh. Um, yeah go check it out it's on YouTube The Present by Jacob Free.
0: Nice Um the short film that I am going to share um, is set in Dublin and it's directed by Jack Desmond and it's about a nightclub bouncer who wants to like pluck up the courage to speak to the Polish toilet attendant and he learns Polish oh it's called speak to her sorry I should have said the name of it (laughs) (laughs) it's called speak to her and he is learning Polish to try and pluck up the courage to speak to her he just you you see him try to get this courage and just go and talk to her and he keeps backing away keeps backing away Um, and it's a really really beautiful short film with not much dialogue and but two incredible actors um, leading it so yeah go check that out it's on YouTube And Jason, what's your short film?
1: Well, since I've been covering The Mandalorian, I have Disney Plus, and I noticed that Pixar had this program with their employees called Spark Shorts, where they said, you have six months to make the short film of your dreams, and basically it was to help them spark their creativity. And they've been putting them out little by little, and one of them is called Float and it's by this guy Bobby Rubio, and he. It's about this guy and his little toddler son, and you see him them playing, and they're really cute. And then he takes one of those. Uh, what do you call those kind of flowers where you they're a sphere shaped, and you blow on it, and they all go off. Uh, dandelion. dandelion. Yeah, and the little kid all of a sudden starts floating up after the dandelion. And the father's like, Holy shit and then <laughs> and and then a neighbor sees them and they're nervous about it. So the father brings him down and he's like really freaked out by this and needs to hide the kid. And it's about fathers accepting their sons, you know, or parents. And it's just so like, it makes me cry. I've watched it two or three times and I'm just bawling watching this, which is unusual for me. Um, And it's uplifting at the end. So I would recommend, especially for any parent to watch this float cool
0: nice uh, so jason thank you so much uh, for joining us on the podcast today it has been thank absolute- you guys
1: that was really fun i loved hanging out with you guys really great Me
0: too and um, can it. you tell our listeners where they can keep up to date with you and your other podcasts as well
1: my podcasts are all at podcastica.com and the main one i do is the walking dead cast all about the walking dead which is sort of wrapping up here in a couple of years they've announced. And then I have another one called House Podcastica where I cover different shows like The Mandalorian and Cobra Kai, which season three is coming out um in January here. So that's coming back on soon. But podcastica.com.
0: Nice. Um and as always I'm Ashley Sutherland. You can find me at at Ashley Sutherland on Instagram and at Ash Sutherland4 on Twitter.
2: And I'm Gary and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Hugh g Pro.
0: Please do subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, and if you're loving what you're hearing, leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate that. And if you want to get in touch, you can email us at choosefilmpodcast at hotmail.com.
2: And if you want to contact us on Twitter, it is at film choose and on Instagram at choosefilmpodcast.
0: You've been listening to Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast, and you can join us next time where we dive into Jojo Rabbit. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks. Bye.
1: This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.